Hey guys, welcome back to Scale and Bell with John and Ben, presented by Innovate. Hey, uh, before we get into the show tonight, I wanted to um, give a shout out to our sponsor, You Can. You guys have heard me talk about them on uh, a regular occurrence. Uh, you can go to youcan.co and use our code SCALE and save 20% on their products. Uh, just really, really great opportunity for you to go out and get some energy bars or gels or powders or or really just kind of anything you need to help you power through some hard workouts. Uh, but what's really important about UCAN and where they've really helped me as a master's athlete is they give me crash-free energy. So they help sharpen my focus. They support fat burning and, and it curbs my hunger cravings, which are all things I'm looking for. But most importantly, um, it helps me get through the workouts with long lasting energy without the spikes and crashes you normally get with sugar or just like kind of everyday carbs It helps you maintain a stable blood sugar and allows you to be more productive and focus and keep your energy levels where you want them during a workout, which are all things that are really important to me uh, as I continue to age, which is uh, no shock there. So uh, I'd really encourage you guys uh, give it a try. I love the stuff. Uh, if you want some recommendations, feel free to DM me and uh, we can chat about it. But you can go to youcan.co and save 20% with our code SCALE. And with that, off to the show. Casey Acre, what's going on? Not a lot, man. How are you? So I normally start the show with Ben Jawalski. What's going on? And everyone's like, what the hell's going on? Where's Ben? Ben is on assignment. And by assignment, I mean, he's on one of his thousand vacations that he takes a year. Uh, Have you ever met Ben before? No. No? I'll have to introduce you. Ben's a great dude, but I swear to God, I think he's on vacation every two weeks. It's a, it is a great, great life that he has. I guess, I guess if you've got it like that, I mean, just go with it. Hey, when you're the boss, you can do whatever you want. I wouldn't know because I've always worked for someone my entire life. And, uh, but yeah, and, and he has the best hobbies. It's like snowboarding and, and, uh, you know, mountain biking. And he goes on these like crazy elk hunts and like, yeah, it's ridiculous. He's, he's got quite the life. Yeah. Quite the life. Well, I appreciate you joining and, uh, you know, sub informed, but mostly just wanted to spend some time talking uh, about you. So just for listeners, so they know who you are. So Casey and I have connected through the adaptive campaign that I've been heading up. Um, and Casey is uh, quite the athlete. Uh, I think you first came to my attention when somebody sent me a, a video of one of your snatches. What's your PR? What's your PR snatch? Uh, my lifetime heaviest snatch is 245. Um, I just hit 235 a couple of weeks ago, so that's that's the heaviest I've hit in a in a good couple of years. Okay, and so what makes that special about you? Tell everyone what your impairment is. Um, so I am an upper, a congenital upper limb amputee. So um, I am I, basically on my left arm just past my elbow. I have about a couple inches of my forearm and then, um, nothing after that. So, uh, yeah, so I, I do everything that I do. I do with one hand. Yeah. So watching you snatch is, it is literally like watching a Marvel movie. That's what it felt like to me when I saw it, I'm like, you stepped up to the bar and like, I knew you're, you know, you can tell when someone's setting up for a snatch and I'm sitting there literally going, please don't snatch, please don't snatch, please don't snatch. And then you just crush it, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, and it's just so mind blowing, you know, how people figure things out and how they're able yeah. to and and things that you can overcome and work through regardless of what your situation may be. And and in this case, 245 or 235, whatever the number is, is a ridiculous amount of weight. You know, if if you have both arms fully intact and yeah. you know, even more so, it's, seriously, it was like watching CGI. It was really, <laughs> really impressive. Well, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I think it's the the kind of maybe an overarching uh, theme for me when it comes to training um, has, and this is, you know, probably pretty pertinent to a lot of the conversations that you have on here is um, foundation, building a foundation and um, being patient and building to that. Um, so, you know, whenever I tell people that number or I, I just did a 335 clean uh, squat clean a couple weeks ago as well. Actually, on the same day, I hit the 235 snatch and the 335 clean on the same day a couple weeks ago. Um, and whenever I tell them those numbers, you know, those are kind of like the the sexy movements that all of us CrossFitters kind of know and and uh, use as a metric for how strong you are. Um, but you know, that's all built on a foundation of 
like years and years and years of squatting and working with light and with working with an empty barbell and just gradually progressing and making sure that my technique was as efficient as I could possibly get it. Um, you know, relative to the fact that I, that I only have one hand and I'm using a, a canvas, a homemade canvas strap, um, to, to hold on my, you know, my left arm to the bar. Um, so, I mean, you know, the, the, the big thing with those things is that it's not just kind of something that, that happens overnight. Um, and, you know, there was a big foundation of training and a lot of time in the weight room and in the gym that, you know, have kind of led me to being able to do all the things that I can do now. See, this is fun for me because usually uh, when I'm interviewing athletes or we have an athlete on, you know, either of the shows, I usually have like a pretty good base of understanding of who they are and what they've done, but you're new to me. So I'm learning a lot yeah. along with the listeners here. Um, yeah. I, I'd be really curious to hear like, how, how'd your CrossFit journey start? Like, how'd you get into this? Um, it's kind of a long story, I guess. Um, so I guess, you know, really my first introduction to CrossFit, um, was when I was in high school, um, I was a three sport athlete. I played football, basketball, and I ran track. Um, and you know, just, I, you know, kind of the, the type of person that I am and, and how much I love sports and how competitive I was, I was, you know, a gym junkie and I was in the weight room as much as I could be and running sprints after practice, um, so I got to know my, my, my school's athletic trainer pretty well. Um, and he actually, in addition to being an athletic trainer was a CrossFit coach. So we started doing, um, the John Wellborn CrossFit football program when I was in high school. Um, so I, I had a couple years of exposure to CrossFit type workouts. It was, it was definitely geared more towards sport athletes with a kind of touch of, of some CrossFit principles in there. Um, so that was like my first introduction to it, kind of dabbled with it a little bit. At that point, I hadn't figured out all of these, you know, straps and modifications and the way that I can do things essentially with, with both my arms, like I, like I can now. I was doing a lot of just single arm stuff and substitution of movements and um, basically like back squatting or front squatting every single day because it was, you know, a primary lift that I was, that I was able to do correctly. Um so fast forward a couple of years, graduated high school. I, I went into college to study um, kinesiology, exercise science. I knew I wanted to be, you know, somewhere in the realm of fitness or sport. Um, my, my initial goal there was to be a strength and conditioning coach. Um, and so then when I was like a junior in college, um, my best friend and now business partner had kind of switched his training um, away from the kind of classic bodybuilding stuff is what we were doing for a couple of years there. And, and he started just doing the, the CrossFit.com workouts, just kind of as something different, a way to change it up. Um, we started reading the, the CrossFit journals and the, all the old school Greg Glassman blogs and, and um, you know, just kind of dove headfirst into it just as just as something in addition to kind of our we both studying exercise science in college. Um, and kind of that traditional academic, you know, side of fitness, um, you know, just started kind of exploring CrossFit and it was something that I loved as an athlete. It kind of gave me that, you know, that kind of competitive drive, um, which is, is probably kind of a classic story for a lot of people that they start to kind of feel that, you know, that touch of sport or competition. Um, even if, even if you're not competing against somebody else, um, you know, at the time I was, I was just training in Eastern Illinois University's rec center gym, trying to do CrossFit and, and be able to do, you know, circuits without getting my my squat rack taken away from me by, <laughs> a, guy that, by a guy that needed to do right. bar, bicep curls with the barbell in the rack or whatever. Um, so so I, I started dabbling with it a little bit in in college, um, you know, kind of had a, a couple other training partners at, at school that were interested in doing it too. So we were kind of working out together. Um, I eventually, once I graduated, I, I stayed at Eastern, um, after I graduated my, with my bachelor's degree, got a master's degree in exercise science with, again, the, the ideal goal for me at the time was becoming a college strength and conditioning coach. Um, and when I graduated, it was August. So I the, my grad program ran from August to August. So it was like a one year kind of accelerated deal. Um, and at that time of the year, you're really not able to find as a strength and conditioning coach. You're not really able to find openings because they kind of have everything full at that point. Um, so I, I took a part-time job at a CrossFit gym, um, just to coach some classes. 
And I, I, I loved it. I love the idea of getting to work with both people that, you know, have that, that drive to be an athlete or to compete. Um, but also being able to work with people that just want to be healthier and feel better and, and lose weight and look better and just be more functional in their life. So, um, it kind of gave me both that fulfillment that I, I kind of wanted to go into athletics or competition, um, while also kind of, you know, being able to help everyone, general population and, and use these principles that I was learning, um, for myself and being able to translate that into, um, you know, the everyday gym enthusiasts. Um, so I started coaching in August of 2016. Uh, I coached part-time at that gym, which it was about a 45 minute to hour drive from my house, um, opening, opening the gym three days a week. So, so that was leaving my house at three 30 in the morning to, to get to the gym and coach, coach a couple morning classes. Um, and so it was actually during that fall, that, that fall of 2016, that I learned about Wadapalooza. Um, so Wadapalooza was one of the first competitions that was opening adaptive divisions. Um, and I was, I was like, what the heck I've been, I've been training like, like I'm an athlete pretending like I'm, you know, the, the one arm rich froning over here doing <laughs> two or three workouts a day. Um, just, just because I enjoyed it. Um, I had fun with it. I, you know, had the free time because I was working part time. And uh, so I did the Wadapalooza online qualifiers in the fall of 27 or 2016, um, qualified for uh, 2017 Wadapalooza, January 2017. Um, and that was that was my first competition was down in Miami. And I, I won the adaptive division um, that year. And I've won it. I've won my division there every year since. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of what opened up the floodgates for me. Um, shortly after Wadapalooza, I, I actually got a full-time coaching job as the head coach and manager of the CrossFit gym that my athletic trainer from high school actually was coaching at whenever he taught me what CrossFit was. So kind of funny how it came full circle that the, the guy who taught me about CrossFit, I eventually worked into the same, the same position as the head coach and manager of CrossFit Enhance in Decatur, Illinois. Um, so yeah, I coached there for three years. And during that time, I, I started doing some individualized coaching kind of on the side. And, uh, in, in January of 2020, I left the CrossFit gym and opened up my own, um, micro, one-on-one uh, -on -one individualized design, um, coaching gym. Uh, with along with the two of my best friends and business partners. So that's, that's what I do now. So I'm still in the coaching world, um, not at a CrossFit gym, but um, working with a lot of people who are former CrossFitters are still interested in, in competing in CrossFit um, as well. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my, my timeline in, in the game. Um, like I said, their Wadapalooza was a competition that I've, I've done um, basically every year that they've had it. Um, and, and won my division. And then of course, last year was the first year that the CrossFit games um, introduced the uh, adaptive divisions to the CrossFit game season. So what, what were your expectations going into Waterpalooza? I mean, like, and you had to have known you're a good athlete. Yeah, I knew I was a good athlete. Um, I got, I, I won all of the, all but one of the um, online qualifier workouts. I think there were, there were five or six of them. And I, I think I won all but one of them. So like, I knew going in like, okay, I'm, I'm maybe pretty good at this. And, and I had the expectation of, of winning. Um, I just, because as a competitor, as an athlete and, and as someone who, um, you know, I, I try, know that I train as hard as I possibly can. I, I, you know, I just felt like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go try to win every workout was, you know, kind of my, my plan. Um, and of course, I mean, it was small at that point. There wasn't a ton of participation. I think honestly, the, the first year that I, that I did that, I think there were like 27 men in the standing adaptive division in the online qualifier. So that's in the, in the whole world, 27 right. guys signed up. And of course that's, that's gotten way, way bigger. Now we're now, we're now in the thousands of, of athletes, um, doing the open and, and doing the Wadapalooza qualifiers and the wheel watt qualifiers. So, um, yeah, my expectation going into that was, was, yeah, just to try to win every workout. Obviously I, I was raw and I had never competed in person against any of those guys. And some of the guys there were, were guys that 
I saw on Instagram and some of the first other adaptive athletes that, that I really had ever gotten exposed to. Um, so I wasn't a hundred percent sure, but I, I definitely kind of had the, the idea in my mind that I could, that I could win any, any given workout that came out, um, which I did. And, um, that's, that's kind of been my attitude. Um, and I, I say that as, as humbly and modestly as I can, I, I don't, I don't try to, um, you know, bulk myself up or anything like that, but hey, look, um, when you, when you've never lost you're it's okay to not be humble. It's yeah. Okay. Well, and, the, and <laughs> but this, the, 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 you know, on the other side, uh, of the coin, I tell the guys that I compete against all the time that I'm scared of all of them. Um, you know, I've, I've been around long enough that I've, I've competed against a lot of these guys multiple times. They're all, you know, guys in my division are all really, really good friends of mine. Some of them I've coached, um, and we stay in contact all the time and, and we trade workouts and we, you know, chat and this and that. Um, and some of them are, are capable of, all of them are capable of, uh, you know, extraordinary things. And, and every single one of them scares me, um, which I think that keeping that in the back of my mind is what, you know, kind of keeps me disciplined in my training and wanting to always continue getting better. Um, I, I never, I never, you know, feel comfortable. Uh, I'm, I'm always trying to, to get better at any, any little thing that I can. Um, even if it's, you know, getting 1% faster on something that, that was an all out effort or, whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, the, the level of competition that we're starting to see is, is gonna, it's going to be really, really awesome to see what some of the athletes are going to be capable of in the next few years, just, just the same way that, you know, the open divisions continue to progress. And we just get amazed with what, with what people are capable of year after year after year, the same things happen in the adaptive divisions now. And especially with the growth of, of the numbers and the participation, you know, the, the sky's the limit. I, I, I just recently um, posted on my Instagram story that another, another one of my uh, good friends that I just competed at uh, competed against in Wadapalooza a couple months ago. Um, he, he posted, he's an upper limb um, amputee, just like myself. And uh, he posted a video of himself doing bar muscle-ups um, which for, oh, I've, I've been doing bar muscle-ups for a couple of years and more and more athletes in, in my division are becoming capable of doing bar muscle-ups. And I said, you know, in the near future, bar muscle-ups is going to be a reasonable competition movement in the upper limb, below elbow amputee uh, division, um, which is just, you know, which is just crazy if you think about it. But everybody's just kind of pushing each other and challenging each other to get better. Um, and so that's that's kind of where we're going. I tell you what I love about what's been happening in the adaptive community over the last few years. And, you know, I'm an OG dude. I've been doing CrossFit for 10 or 11 years now. Mm -hmm. And you probably remember this, like kind of back in the early days when adaptive was just coming on it. And I'm not saying CrossFit was doing this, but it felt like CrossFit was using the adaptive division, kind of like inspiration porn to some degree, like they'd bring them out to competitions and everybody get on the floor and it'd be very chaotic you know, they'd have them all do a workout and it's all the different impairments, you know, so imagine all yeah. of them all at the right, same time right. doing different things. And it, it, it looked like a team workout. Like it's just too chaotic to understand what was going on, but they're yeah. trying to yeah. inspire people and give representation to the sport, which I appreciate that. Cause I think representation yeah. is important, but as the sports evolve, like my, my first real experience was seeing what you're describing here was in Columbus at the Arnold uh, there was a CrossFit competition. It was an, an adaptive competition. I ran into Logan Aldridge, who also, yeah. was, you know, uh, you know, his, his impairment is missing, you know, part of his arm. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of walked up and somebody goes, Hey, you got to come see my buddy Logan. He's working out. And I'm like, all right. So I go over <laughs> and watch and he's doing butterfly pull-ups. Yeah. You know, and I can't do butterfly pull-ups. I wish I could do butterfly pull-ups. Yeah. And I mean, he's flying through them. It wasn't like he was just like doing one or two and stopping. Like he's doing right. 15 and 20 at a time, you know? Yeah. And uh, I was yeah, that, really. That's who I have to compete against. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he's the real deal. Like, you know, yes. it, yeah. no one should think that you're like this and you are a dominant athlete, but it's like, not like you don't have competition. Logan is. Yeah, I mean, he's doing 225 clean and jerks and yes. can do pretty much anything you set your mind to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, and, I'm and sitting, I, you know, I'm sitting there watching this guy going, 
I wish I could do what he's doing. It no longer became about, well, here's an impairment that's so inspiring. It's more, more along the lines of me going, I just wish I could do what he was doing. And for me, that's the representation that the sport needs to get more people in. And I guess that's a real question for you is like, you know, what's the barrier for people coming into the sport and what do we need to do to, to help it's building, but how do we continue to continue to build it? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and just to kind of touch on, on kind of what you said, as far as you're, you're hundred percent right that it, the adaptive divisions and adaptive athletes can often kind of be, Oh, I don't, I don't know what the right wording is, but, but you're right. There's, there's kind of this idea of, you know, inspiration porn. And it's definitely a, a kind of a joke that we use amongst each other of that, that's kind of being a common theme. Um, so, but then on the, on the flip side, what you think about is, is what CrossFit was trying to do and what some of these showcases were trying to do is allow for some exposure, which was, is needed. It was needed and still is needed to continue to get the divisions to grow. So, you know, there's, there's probably two sides to all of that where, yeah, you can say like, are they just trying to, you know, get clicks or, or get attention or, you know, kind of inspire and motivate people. And, but, but they may also have utility for the adaptive athletes themselves um, in legitimizing the competition, getting more people involved, getting numbers involved so that we can now get to the point where we are now, where the CrossFit games is including it as a, as a legitimate, um, you know, opportunity for athletes to compete. Um, So, yeah, I mean, to there's, there's probably, there's a lot of things that are needed um, but I think the, the number one thing that it always gets back to is, is involvement. Um, the more to, to, to refine the competition, to refine the standards, to um, make each division as specific as possible, there just has to be numbers. Um, so, you know, an, an example of that. So right now, the, the way that the division is split. So we'll just take, we'll just use my division as an example, because it's an easy one. The, the way that it is right now is we're, we're the upper extremity division. So that's anybody that is, it has an upper limb impairment. So that could be a wrist amputation. That could be a below elbow amputation. That could be an above elbow amputation. That could be a brachial plexus injury. So they may still have the entirety of their arm, but they just don't have use of it. Um, there's a wide range of what that could be. And so because of that, the standards that you have to choose from and the movements that you have to choose from for athletes in my division gets, gets actually kind of narrowed down quite a bit because you have to find ways for there to be a fair competition that's allowing for athletes to express their potential as much as possible without there being uh, an advantage with any one of those different options. So, you know, something like a, you know, we'll, we'll use a, a clean and jerk, for example. So I'm able to you do clean and jerks with a strap attached to the bar that I do the clean with. And then I'm able to use my left arm to then put the bar on my arm and and press overhead. So I'm using two points of contact on the bar. So I'm, I'm considered an upper limb two point of contact. Logan, on the other hand, is a high above elbow amputation. His, he basically has a little bit of his humerus left, but he can't do a whole lot with it. Um, because there's not an easy way to anchor him to the barbell that he has control over it. So when he does clean and jerks, he holds the very center of the bar with his single hand, cleans the bar, and then goes overhead with one arm. So it's, it's hard to say, okay, well, we're going to do a workout of clean and jerks and you both have to use the same weight. Well, that wouldn't be fair. And then how do you, how do you then make it fair? Okay. Well, we give Logan a, a certain percentage reduction in weight. That that can work, and that's been used before, and, and a lot of the adaptive competitions use those principles. And that's there's some data to that, but it's not it's not scientific data, and it's not 100% that that's now the same workout that we're doing, right? So to the ideal goal would be that eventually each division, each kind of overarching division, is going to be able to be broken down into the more specific categories. So in the future someone like myself and someone like Logan, we would actually be competing in different divisions. I would be a below elbow upper extremity. He would be an above elbow upper extremity. Same thing goes for lower limb, below knee amputation or above knee amputation. The capabilities that those two, those two categories have are, are very 
there's a huge difference in, you know, someone that has an, a below knee amputation, they're able to activate their hamstring and squat to a full depth. Most of the time, um, it's squat to full depth and, and doing hinging movements is much easier because they're able to keep their prosthetic on and not have to worry about the balance issue. Doing pull-up bar movements are easier because they're not having to take a prosthetic off and then put the prosthetic back on. Whereas someone that's an above knee, um, so those are things that they're going to have to factor into how they perform a workout. So that can create huge differences in who can move through a workout faster. Um, so, so it's numbers is, is definitely the big one, um, to continue refining those categories and eventually be able to break, break each division down into it's more appropriate, more refined and more precise grouping. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say that's that's definitely number one. That's and and so what comes with that? The the things that are needed for more numbers to get involved is of course exposure, um, le- as legitimate of a competition as possible. Um, it's you know excitement. It's getting athletes to feel like they have a fair and competitive competition that, that they get to do. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of things that come along with that. You know, kind of need for the increasing numbers. Yeah. I just, for me, I I just always look at the barrier of getting people into the gyms. Like I love the competition and what you described, it's been a really interesting um, experience for me over the last few weeks as I've been more involved in, you know, raising money for the adaptive division because I've been now watching what the competition is for a change. And it's really complex. Like it's really complex. And to your point of everyone has, you know, kind of a, a different impairment, even if it's considered the same impairment, you know, then you get, um, I mean, you see it, you know, uh, I don't want to call it complaining, but there's a lot of complaining, <laughs> complaining that goes on because yeah, yeah. it's new and it's, you know, growing pains and, yes. and everyone's trying to figure it out and, you know, it's needed in order to get the exposure, but I'd really just want to figure out how do we get more people in the gyms? Like I, I was just yeah. thinking to myself the other day, I wish, you know, maybe CrossFit would figure out a way to you know, subsidize this in the gyms, you know, they pay a $3,000 affiliate fee. Maybe you make it 2,500. If you can validate that you've got X number of adaptive athletes, you know, or, or you have X number of coaches certified to coach adaptive athletes or, you know, whatever, you know, kind of metrics you need to get more people into the gyms. Cause for me, this isn't about, you know, putting someone up that might eventually beat you, which sounds like they never will. It's, you know, it's more about how do you get people to live healthier and and happier and more fit lives? Yes. Yes. You know, I, yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. Um, you know, luckily for me, some of the things that I've gotten to do has helped, you know, play a factor in that. I, I get, I get messages all the time from individuals or parents or, you know, people who know someone, with an upper limit impairment or a neurological impairment or whatever it might be. And, you know, they say, I, I never thought that there was something for me. I I never felt comfortable going to a gym and asking for help. And because I've seen you and because I've seen, you know, athletes, it's, it's the same story that you hear a lot of times with the, the high level elite professional CrossFit games athletes that even they can inspire someone who's never going to do a competition to step into the gym for the first time. And, and, you know, I, I get those messages a lot. And, um, the, probably my favorite ones are, are from parents. Um, just after the CrossFit games last year, I got, I probably got, I don't know, seven or eight messages from parents who have young kids that were born without their arm. And they've, they've looked into my story and seen some of the other podcasts I've done or whatever it might be. And, and, you know, I've been able to kind of set an example for them that, their kids are going to be able to excel in whatever it is that they do. As long as they support them, they, they challenge them. They don't let them use their situation as an excuse. Um, so I, I agree hundred percent. I, my mentality has always been that, you know, you, you could argue that for someone that has a disability or someone that has an adaptation gym and, and functional fitness may be more vital to them in their life than just the general population, because not only do they have the same health risk problems that everyone has, they have a a disadvantage to begin with, even if they are quote, quote, healthy by, by medical standards. So the, the life changes that you can make as a, as a disabled person um, are, you know, it's, it's huge in, in gaining independence or maintaining independence as long as you can. 
correcting movement errors and creating structural balance. If you are a, a single limb athlete in any way, shape or form to prevent injuries and the other things that you like to do in your life. Um, so yeah, I think it's t- to me, it's, uh, you know, obviously as a coach and as uh, of both athletes and general population um, fitness enthusiasts, the, 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 uh, merit that I give training and extra doing exercise and doing functional fitness is, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's as important for people to be doing that as it is to, you know, eat healthy foods and vegetables and, and, um, you know, all the, all the basic lifestyle things that you should be doing for your health to me, movement and exercises is, is right up there with all of them. Yeah, you make a really good point, uh, around how important it is for the, the, the physical aspects of it. Like, you know, but I think people probably will look at you and listen to the story and go, yeah, well, you know, he's super strong and super fit and he keeps winning, but he, you know, he's missing half his arm. He's got the rest of his body. He's good to go. You don't think about all these athletes that are, as an example, they can't walk or in wheelchairs, you know, that's yeah. their impairment yep. and how much harder that is on your body overall. you know, when yes. you, and again, I'm not an expert. I, you know, I just, I know a lot of these athletes and, yeah. and, you know, some of them are, you know, from the waist up, like I think of, um, uh, Ogar Kevin, we had him on the show a few weeks ago. Like yeah. if, if there were a, you know, a bench press contest that I need to take a partner, he's my guy. Like yeah, that dude is sure. so <laughs> strong, you know, yes. Yes. but, but you think if he wasn't into fitness, like what would he be doing to get enough exercise to keep his body healthy? You know, if he yeah. wasn't into yeah. CrossFit and, and, and how many other athletes are like that? And so, I, you know, I guess I just want us to keep exploring ways as a community to get more adaptive athletes to join the gyms, like forget the competition, like yeah, get coaches certified, make yeah. your gym. Like I'll tell you my pet peeve. I'm just ranting at this point, but my, my <laughs> pet peeve is, you know, I visit a lot of gyms mm-hmm. and I'm telling you probably only 30% of them are ADA accessible. Yeah. At best. Yep. You know, and like, so you think like, you know, if you're in a wheelchair, you take one look at that, you're not bothering to go in. You're not going to raise yeah. a ruckus and make them. Right. So, so if you're just not going to go. Right. You know? If you have hesitation to begin with, just, just the normal hesitation that even, even, you know, fully able body people sometimes have when it comes to, to going and trying out fitness or going to a gym. Yeah. And then, and then if you see right off the bat that, it's not even going to be physically accessible for you. That's, that's going to be a challenge. So I, I agree hundred percent. Um, so, so one thing I'll, I'll plug a little bit here. Um, I'm, I'm part of, I'm a coach for, um, the adaptive training Academy, ATA. Um, and, and basically what ATA is, uh, it, it started as the CrossFit adaptive, uh, training course, specialty course, um, and when, when they restructured all the courses and all that, it was one of the, it was one of the courses that got dropped from the CrossFit list. Um, so it became the adaptive training Academy. Um, it's, it's ran by Alex Zirkenbach, who was also, um, who basically does a lot of the behind the scenes stuff for the adaptive divisions for CrossFit. Um, and, and basically what we do is, is kind of just what you're, what you're talking about. We have, there's an online course as well as in-person seminars, um, and, and we travel around to gyms and basically tr- teach coaches what to do. If you have someone with all this litany of this list of possible impairments that you could see coming to your gym and how, how can you coach them? Um, and, and also there's education on making your gym accessible, thinking about big, bigger picture things that you wouldn't maybe think about if you didn't have someone in a wheelchair or someone with a neurological disorder coming into your gym um, and, and, you know, getting these, uh, these coaches prepared uh, to, to be able to work with, you know, with someone with an upper limb impairment or that's in a, that's in a wheelchair or a visually impaired athlete or whatever it might be. Um, So for, uh, yeah, like I said, shameless plug, if you're, if you're thinking about this and, and I encourage everyone to at least look into it, if you're a coach, if you're a CrossFit coach, um, you know, w- one in four Americans have a disability. So it's more common than what you think. Are those all physical disabilities that you can see that may inhibit someone from, from training? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but there's, there are more disabled people in the world than what you think. Um, so more and more as, as, 
um, the importance is put on, you know, staying fit and staying healthy. There's the, the likelihood if, if you're a CrossFit gym owner or a CrossFit gym coach and you're around long enough, you're going to see someone with a disability. I would hope. Um, so I, I would hope that those coaches would also have a, uh, a desire to want to be prepared for that, to give that individual as, as great of an experience as they possibly can. I'd, I'd love to see more gyms have at least one coach on staff that's fully certified. Like, I, yeah. I, you know, I just mostly because I see what it brings to their community. Like I've been dropping in at uh, Chagrin Falls CrossFit here in town um, since I don't have an affiliate and um, their owner has a class that they teach um, and it's all um, uh, the down syndrome athletes, mm-hmm. you know, and it's beautiful for their community. Like, yeah. you know, not only is it great for the athletes and the parents, like I was just, as a matter of fact, I was just talking to the coach about this over the weekend. And she said to me, she's like, you know, it's really, it's really fun for them because you know, they the parents will come in and go, Oh my God, my kid's doing a 24 inch box jump. And the coach yeah. is like, uh, yeah, of course they are. That's what we do yeah. here. You know, <laughs> like, it's just a thing, you know? And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so as you know, not only is it, teaching the parents the capabilities of the athlete, but it's teaching the athlete new skills and it's yeah. building out the community in that local gym. Like, you know, the, yeah. the other members are getting to know these, uh, these athletes and, you know, it's just really kind of a beautiful thing. And, you know, it, I would just love to see more gyms, you know, make that a priority um, because I, I think it, a, it, you know, again, helps their community, but B, you know, this, I've said this so many times, it's a for-profit business. And if, if, if in your mindset, the only athletes you want are the ones that are going to be competitive, you know, games athletes, or we'll just call it all able bodied, you're not going to be around forever. You're yeah. just not like you, to your point, one in four. Yeah. 25%, like do the math. You're missing yeah. a huge, you know, a huge opportunity to grow your business and to do what is most important in CrossFit, which is help people. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's amazing. So yeah. I'm getting off my soapbox. Tell no, me about, un, tell me about underdogs. You're working with uh, underdog athletics now, right? Yes. Yes, sir. So, um, so, so I guess that kind of will go back a little bit to my, my mm-hmm. timeline um, in coaching and, and competing. Um, so yeah, I, I started coaching. I opened up my gym um, in January of 2020 got our gym doors forcibly shut for a few months there. Um, thanks to COVID. Uh, and, and basically during that time, in addition to, um, working with individuals in person, um, I've started developing uh, a remote coaching business as well. Um, and so that's, that's been my, you know, kind of full-time job over the last few years, self-employed. Um, and then, we're, a lot of that is working with CrossFit athletes, um, both able-bodied and um, adaptive. Uh, many, many adaptive athletes over the last couple of years as this as the sport has kind of continued to grow. Um, and so then, I don't know, very shortly after the, the CrossFit Games last year, um, I caught wind that Underdogs was looking for, for remote coaches. Um, and so I you know, I took a shot, got a hold of Justin, had a conversation with him. We, we talked about both, um, you know, the, the big picture initially was that, you know, there's no one on their staff that is knowledgeable on coaching adaptive athletes. So with the, the new divisions being added to the CrossFit game season, the likelihood for sport and, and competition, uh, based coaches, to start getting inquiries of, of from adaptive athletes. He knew we, you know, that it's obvious that that's going to be something that's going to continue to grow. Um, so they wanted to be equipped and ready for that. In addition to um, that, you know, them wanting to build out their online template uh, accessibility. Um, so in addition to working with individuals through underdogs, some able-bodied uh, masters or whatever, um, and some, some adaptive individuals, I also write the adaptive competitor template program on the underdogs uh, uh, online te- uh, template program listings. So, um, so yeah, started working with them last fall, and um, we, we we launched the adaptive online uh, template program in January, um, as kind of as beginning preparation for the open the the, the CrossFit game season um, for this year. So. Um, 
yeah, I, I've been on staff with them for a few months now and, and it's continued to kind of grow and develop and, and they're doing, they're doing big things in all aspects of CrossFit competition, as far as building out their, their masters following um, they're, they're now, uh, they now have a team, basically team uh, programming available. Um, one of the first, one of the first online team program options. Um, and, you know, basically what I, what I see that Justin's doing in addition to just already having a, a solid, amazing core of athletes that he works with on an individual level, both in person and remotely, um, is he's just been willing to bring in people that are basically, you know, kind of subject experts or, or, you know, have kind of an expertise in different areas, um, and allow for them to kind of be a part of their community and, and continue to grow, um, you know, grow the opportunities that for, for athletes to have incredible coaching and, and accessibility to, um, to competition. So, um, that's, that's been where I've, I've gotten to really, really help them grow as far as just being accessible for, for all the different kinds of athletes that you're, you're going to be seeing. Well, you guys have a pretty hefty, stable roster of athletes. Yeah. Very much so. Who, who's, yeah. who's going to be the first one to win the games besides you? I don't like to predict too much because <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious, I right. guess. Um, man, there's, there both, you know, all divisions, they, they've got masters athletes that are going to, going to make huge showings this year. Um, teen athletes, they, they brought in as, as their team specialists are the, the, um, the Martin family, Connor Martin, um, and Jeff and Mickey Martin are the, the, um, you know, brand X method that <laughs> they're, they're OGs in the CrossFit world, as far as youth sport development, right. youth physical fitness, and obviously CrossFit so specializing in CrossFit. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that there will, there will come a year that, that underdogs is going to have a, a large representation on the podiums at the CrossFit games uh, across all divisions. In the elite divisions, who are their main athletes? Just so everyone knows. Well, who so, so Justin, yeah. Justin coaches, coaches, Ricky, um, Ricky yeah. Garrard remotely. Um, and then Daniel uh, Brandon, Daniel, right? Daniel Brandon, Bethany Shadburn, um, Matt DeLugos. Uh, he coached Tola Marquino, who's now moved to Iceland to be with the team, be with Annie on, on the team. Um, Allison Scuds and I mean the yeah the the list continues to grow. Obviously, uh, Carrie Pierce was was Justin's yeah. first, um, you know, obviously major competitive athlete who he kind of started with, and and she was kind of who he built around when he moved from New York to Las Vegas and kind of built this camp that that he's created out there. Well, Carrie Pierce is literally the nicest woman on the planet. Like, she is so <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah. I think um, I had I had Bethany on my short list to to make podium last year, and then you know obviously she got sick. So I'd, yeah, yeah, I'd love to see her get some redemption this year and get on the. Yeah. I, I'm like you, like I never guess who's going to win, but yeah, you, know, you, you name those athletes, and it would never be shocking to see Bethany or Danielle either one get on the podium. Yeah. It wouldn't be shocking to see Ricky get back there again. Like oh yeah, absolutely um, yeah. And, and Ju- Justin says that Daniel Brandon, from a talent standpoint, is is as talented of an athlete as he's ever seen. And, and Justin's worked with all of them. He was, he was huge in the, uh, in the grid league back in the day and had teams, teams podium at, at the CrossFit games. And um, I mean, yeah, so he's, he's been around for a long time. And if, if he's giving you his uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, his uh, if he's grading you as being one of the most talented, naturally talented CrossFit athletes ever, you know, I, I think that 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 holds a lot of merit, um, and I think working with a great coach like him and having such a great camp that that she's getting to work with, I wouldn't be surprised if we see her in the in the top five or maybe even on the podium in the next year or two. The uh, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this, like looking at that stable of rosters and seeing what they're doing in the adaptive division, bringing you in to do this, and mm-hmm. you know some of the other moves they're making. It's almost like. It's like a rock and roll vibe. That's the nicest way I can put it. Like it's, yeah. I was going to say, it's like, Hey, we're just going to do it our own way. Go screw yourself. vibe. But is it, it isn't, it's more like, is there's like a real energy to what you guys are doing? You know, the there people is, are bringing there in. Is. I think, and you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I've always, you know, said this and kind of believe this, that, um, 
I don't know, your, your attitude kind of self-selects for, for the people that, that fit it best. And Justin, you know, in addition to being a great coach and as knowledgeable as they come and, um, as far as developing athletes, uh, you know, probably one of the best in the business. Um, he's just a really cool, like just laid back dude. Um, and he's just easy to talk to. I think he's, I think the athletes just have a real great bond with him and and they create great relationships and, and, um, you know, from now basically being, you know, one of his employees, essentially, um, the, the, his, his openness and just willingness to talk and, and work with people. Um, I don't know. I, I think that what he has been able to do is he's just brought in the same kind of people that are experts in their areas and they're great coaches. And he's bringing in business professionals and marketing professionals um, that are, that are great at what they do, but they're also, they kind of also share his kind of, you know, laid back and, and just kind of open. And, and, um, I don't know, I think he likes to have fun. I think he enjoys what he does every single day. And so he, he brings in the same kinds of people that just love what they do. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I kind of see, I, I get what you're saying there. Uh, I don't, I don't know, Justin, I've never really interacted with him, but yeah. you know, I kind of my first exposure to what you guys are doing was when you brought Ricky on. I think it's where a lot of people exposure yeah. and, you know, we don't need to get into at all into, you know, kind of Ricky's situation, but I, uh-huh. I, you know, when it happened, I really loved it in the fact that I love people that know what their North star is. Like yeah. they, they know what they believe in they, and they're willing to make, you know, decisions and to move forward on something based on their convictions, not on what the group think is, you know, and yeah, the group yeah. think at the time yeah. obviously was, you know, Ricky needs to go do something else. Uh-huh. And, uh, and Justin said, no, that's what we're going to do. And yeah. I, th- I thought yeah. that was a really cool move and, you know, good for all parties involved. And I think people forget Ricky is really young uh, on top yeah. of all of this, you know, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I think it's, it's good to see that happen. So I was, I've been really impressed with what you guys are doing and continuing to build it out. So it's, yeah. uh, it's exciting to see the future for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm super grateful because we should probably plug it, but you guys are doing a t-shirt sale for this adaptive campaign that I'm putting on yeah. and, uh, let's plug it. So people go buy some t-shirts and yeah. raise, raise some money so we can give away some money to the top three in each division, which selfishly is, you know, going to be a lot of your friends. So yeah, that's right. Good too. Absolutely. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and so maybe there's some context needed there for kind of what, what, you know, inspired you to want to launch this. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, with the CrossFit game season, um, even last, so last year, we going into the open, the athletes thought that it was the open and that was it. And, and it was as, as kind of the introductory year, it being the first year, in addition to all the question marks that, that COVID continued to bring to us all last year. Um, we just, we didn't think last year that there was going to be anything beyond the open for the adaptive athletes introduction year, get people involved, start creating a format for it, whatever you want to call it, that, you know, that was, that was what it was going to be. Um, and then after the open CrossFit basically, um, decided that there was enough, there was enough participation in a handful of the divisions, um, in, in three of the divisions actually to advance those three divisions to the CrossFit games. So they just took the top five athletes within each of those divisions, male and female, um, from the open to the CrossFit games. Fast forward to this year, they announced that uh, they're going to basically those same three divisions based on participation were going to be the ones that would advance to the CrossFit Games. Um, But unfortunately, this year, they were the the other. I can't remember what the exact number is. The other divisions are not going to, you know, get that that's that. Yeah. CrossFit games experience. Yeah, five five but, divisions total. So 10, you know, men and women. So 10 total. You got men and women. Yes. Yeah. So so those 10 divisions are not going to get to go to the CrossFit games. Um, the the nice thing was is that now there's going to be the second stage of competition. So from the open, the top 20 athletes in every division is they're going, we're going to compete at an online semifinal. For those 10 divisions that don't get to advance from there to the CrossFit games, that online semifinal is going to serve as their final, essentially. Um, 
unfortunately online, um, not an in-person competition, but so, so I guess kind of to, um, you know, give some context to what the, what the fundraiser is for is, is to help that, that competition be as legitimate as possible in providing an awesome prize package, um, some, some prize money, um, which luckily CrossFit did just announce that those, those that competition is going to get the same prize purse as the in-person competition, which I thought was awesome. And I think, you know, let's, let's also get them, get them as much extra because, you know, we just had a conversation of what is it going to take to get, to get more people involved in, I don't think it's the prize money. I think it's the the legitimacy legitimacy of the competition and the excitement around the competition. Yeah, look, I think um, I'm first of all, I'm super excited. CrossFit's going to pay those divisions. Like when we originally, or when I originally came up with the fundraiser, I'm like, well, if they're not getting going to get prize money, let's give them prize money. Yeah. But now that they're going to get prize money, you know, we've we've already collected at this point. Um, it's north of ten grand, so it's probably close to eleven thousand dollars at this point. Yeah. And, um, you know, my viewpoint is, is we're still going to distribute that money exactly the way I'd planned before, which was top three in each division. We'll get a portion of that prize purse, you know, and hundred percent of the funds are going to go to the athletes. And what I'd love to see is they spend that money on a plane ticket and fly out to Madison and have their own games experience, you know, if, yeah. if they choose to do so, but you know, that's what they're really missing that they're not getting that the other three divisions are is they're not getting that experience of being out on the competition floor on in the stadium in front of everybody. Like that's a moment, you know, you can never get back if you miss it, you know, and, and uh, money doesn't replace that. But, you know, I tell my kids all the time, money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy you a trip to Disney world. And that's pretty awesome. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, they can, you know, maybe they can do that too. So, yeah. And, and I, I don't want to quote, don't quote me on this. I have speculation that CrossFit is going to basically ask for those podium finishers from semifinals, if they can make it to Madison to come and be a part of the podium ceremony and all that. So I I think that that would be, that would be huge if that's maybe already going to be a plan of CrossFit to do that. Um, Yeah. If we can, if we can help those athletes in any way. Um, And so, yeah. So I, with knowing that you were doing that, I wanted to find a way to help and um, Justin and and his staff at underdogs was also, they were also definitely on board. Um, you know, one of Justin's biggest things is, has always been um, a accessibility for athletes to, to compete. And I don't, I don't use accessibility um, specifically to the, the adaptive divisions, just in general, any opportunities to, to give athletes right. the opportunity, the ability to compete at a high level and as legitimate of a level as possible is something that has always been a purpose of his. Um, and so underdogs is we, we have a, a t-shirt fundraiser established. Um, so that, that was also inspired by my best friend, um, Rob Moeller. So that's he's uh, Moeller design is who uh, came up with the, with the t-shirt design. Um, and so, yeah, underdog, underdogs, athletics, uh, apparel shop, those, those shirts are available and all, all the proceeds, all the profit from those shirts will be donated to, uh, John, your, your, uh, uh, fundraiser for, for those adaptive divisions. So everyone has it. Give me the website. Underdogsathletics.com. And I think it's slash shop if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Underdogs, there's an S in there. Oh, there is an so S. Underdogsathletics.com. Yeah. Yep. And they have their apparel shop right on their website. And we'll be over the next couple of days, we will be posting those links and and making some posts about that. So everyone that follows Underdogs Athletics on Instagram, as well as Make Watts Great again on Instagram, should be seeing all that coming through in the next couple of days as well. Well, I'll, I'll also uh, drop a link to it in the show notes. So people listening can, can uh, drop in there and, and buy a shirt and, um, you know, consider that a donation and get something for it, which would be cool and help an athlete or two or three or however many shirts you want to buy. It's all the same to me. So, yeah. And the the catchphrase on the shirts is um, rising tides, raise all ships. And the idea behind that is that, you know, these are at this point in time, these are, you know, <laughs> the the divisions that are at the bottom and as far as what their opportunities are for competition. So let's rise all those those ships as high as we can. And that just makes the 
the competition and the fitness and the CrossFit experience for everyone involved better. Um, and, and so that's, that's kind of the idea there. And, um, I'm, I'm really excited about it for me. Um, it, it doesn't benefit me at all. My, fortunately my division, I get to go to the CrossFit games and get that experience. But my goal is to help those divisions get that opportunity in the future. So if this, if any way that this can help with that, then that's, that's beneficial for me. Yeah. Look, I think at the end of the day, you know, I, I think we said it right at the top of the show, representation is important. And if we can get more people at the games um, representing their divisions, even if they're just visiting and not competing, but if they're able to go, cause we can give them, you know, more of a prize purse and be a part of that and people see it, you know, ever, you know, more people will join the gyms. It's, yeah. it's really kind of that simple. And the more people we can get in, the more people will have, healthier, happier, more productive lives. And that's ultimately, that's all this is about is like, how can we help more people? And, and uh, so fingers crossed, we're going to get there. So, yeah, absolutely. And and John, I know I'll, I'll speak for underdogs and saying that we appreciate what you're doing and, and the adaptive athletes that I've spoken with are, um, are super excited about it and, and definitely appreciate it for sure. Dude, dude, I have had so much fun meeting the adaptive athletes. Adaptive athletes are crazy. Like absolutely <laughs> just, uh, they go out of their way to make me uncomfortable, which is the best. And, yeah. Yeah. uh, and have the raw sense of humor of anyone you ever, they're constantly sending me stuff going, Hey, you got to make this joke. And I'm like, I can't, no, <laughs> I can't make a joke about you because I'll get roasted by everyone's going to think I'm making fun of you, even though you're asking me I, to do it. You know? Yeah. And, well, look, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, at, at some point in your life as an adaptive athlete, whether it's something that you're born with or, you know, an injury or, or a circumstance that um, happened later in life, you got to find a way eventually to, to just live with it and deal with it. Um, and so, you know, maybe humor is, is one way that, that we, uh, tend to do that. It's obviously much easier for us to do that amongst ourselves and make able-bodied people like yourself a little bit uncomfortable when we make those jokes. Kevin's probably number one, top oh. of the list. Almost every other mm-hmm. sentence is some sort of joke about being in a wheelchair or the, a joke about wh- whoever the adaptive athletes around him. Uh, we, yeah. we When we had him on, um, First of all, I used the term cripple like a thousand times. So finally, I was so uncomfortable. I had to ask, I'm like, can we say that word? Like, is that, I thought that word wasn't allowed. Like, he's like, no, 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 you can say that word. It's fine. You know, Yeah. it was, yeah. It was just so bizarre. But Apparently, at some point, Kevin, Kevin is the spokesperson for every disabled person in the world also. So yeah, you, you should be good. But like to the point of making people uncomfortable at some point in the conversation, I forget what I said, but I'm like, oh, what's the worst that could happen? And he's like, well, John, actually, I know the worst that could happen. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, I forgot you got yeah, your impairment yeah. in the competition. You know, he loves that. Yeah. Oh, he is. He is something. And he's just hysterically funny, but a great example yes. of someone, you know, who, you know, has found a healthier, happier life through CrossFit and uh, yeah. but also likes to make me uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. good, dude. Good yeah. dude. And, and, and Kevin, Kevin does a lot for adaptive athletes as well. He's uh, Kevin's one of the the staff on ATA with me. So he is obviously his expertise is, is wheelchairs, you know, seated athletes. Um, and so he travels around and, and does these seminars for coaches as well. Kevin works with Wheelwad. So uh, we, we probably, I, I got to make sure I also throw that in there that Wheelwad is an organization that um, hosts adaptive competitions, primarily adaptive competitions. So the Wheelwad games have been going on for several years as well. Um, that's, that's owned by Chris Stoutenberg and he, he started the Wheelwad games in Collingwood, Ontario, Ontario, several years ago. He does the programming for Wadapalooza's adaptive divisions, uh, along with the help of Kevin. Um, and, and this year is going to be, um, the, the biggest year for Wheelwad competitions as well. They've got one that's going to be in North Carolina. They've got one that's going to be in Spain. They just announced South America somewhere else in Europe. So the opportunities are expanding and growing. Um, and, and yeah, it's, you know, it's people like Kevin and, and Saudi that are, you know, they're wheelchair athletes themselves and they are just wanting to give opportunities for, um, other adaptive athletes to have a great experience and, and ultimately be more functional and, and live better lives, which has kind of been the thing that we've continued to back and back to blazing a trail, man. They're absolutely blazing a trail. Well, Casey, this has been fun. This has been the best. And, uh, you know, again, hugely grateful to what you guys are doing to help with the campaign. It's, uh, 
It's great. But, you know, I'm super grateful we came on and told your story. I think people, you know, will find it uh, very intriguing and we'll, and we'll now be able to root for you as you dominate this year again at the game. So I'm going to jinx <laughs> you and say you're going to. So, all right. I'll, I'll do my best to make sure that none of that juju affects me. Yeah. Well, if you, if you don't win, don't talk to me again. I forget who I said that too. I ran into one of the, an athlete at Wadapalooza who, uh, who came over and it was second day of competition and he comes over and he's like, I am so-and-so and you know, we're talking. I'm like, Hey, what place are you in right now? He's like, I'm currently in second. I'm like, don't talk to me again until you win. And then the next day he met and he won. And the next day he messaged me. He's like, Hey, we can still talk. I won. I'm like, thank God. Nice. I feel like a real asshole. Yeah. after saying that. To you. <laughs> You're, that statement, that statement must've been what inspired him to take the lead. Yeah. It must've been it. It was the only reason he won. It was because of me. So, yeah. Well, well, listen, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll drop in the show notes for everyone. Go to underdogs athletics. You guys pick up your t-shirts and uh, make your donation and make sure you're following Casey on the leaderboard as he uh, works his way through semis and on his way to the games. And uh, for you guys listening, we'll be back next week with uh, Ben, assuming he comes off of vacation at some point in his life. Uh, we'll be back to give you guys more tips around scale and bell. Talk to you then. <laughs>